Welcome back to another episode of We Are That Podcast. It's your favorite West Indian shorty, Carly speaking. And I'm here with my two wonderful co-hosts. Go ahead and introduce yourselves again, ladies. Hi, it's your favorite Nigerian, Ugo. I'm a problematic sister, Chris. Hi, everybody. And uh, we have you all here today uh, for our fourth episode. And... We are going to uh, just jump right into it because this is such a wonderful topic to discuss, especially considering the climate of everything um, happening right now. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about Black women and the beauty of being a Black woman, as well as touch on the struggles behind it, but really just um, highlighting us um, definitely during a time period where um, we are being reminded of the light that many, aside from us, paint us in. So I think it's a really good time for us to highlight the truth and the realities of um, the beauty it is that comes with being who we are, which is a Black woman. Um, to start off with, I I think it's good to start off just um, talking about the journey of what it was like uh, loving your skin. Um, personally for me, uh, I know that I didn't come out the womb into a household that, you know, black women were just praised as the queens that we are, um, unfortunately. Um, not to say that, you know, I was around people that were shaming us or anything like that, but in regards to how praised we've become to be now, um, I didn't really witness a lot of that. I, I, I definitely think it was a struggle in that sense. Um, but I feel like what helped a lot in regards to uh, loving my skin and my features and and just, you know, appreciating what it was to be Black was my parents. My parents listened to a lot of music back in the day, and they put me on to some people. They put me on to some gems. And um, one of the best facets of our culture is music. Um, So listening to everything from the Motown era um, into 90s R&B and just hearing how women spoke about being a Black, how Black women spoke about being a Black woman, how Black men spoke about being with Black women or Black men just speaking about Black women in general, um, definitely, was a huge aid and me kind of appreciating my blackness because I was just like wait a minute like this is us like we gotta like that like where can I find more of this like where can I listen to more of this content and such like that I don't know I feel like my experience kind of different um you know I grew up with a mom who's relatively like very much so older than me like two extremely different um, eras and my mom's very old school so you know I also listened to the Motown and all that kind of stuff but I didn't really take into account what they were talking about I kind of just took into the fact that it was music that I enjoyed listening to but as far as like being a black woman and like learning my beauty it definitely did not come until after I left high school um, when I was born and growing up uh, I grew up around mostly women and one male cousin 
And, um, you know, I didn't really understand, like, I don't want to say the importance of being Black, but I didn't really, like, try to navigate, like, the quote-unquote beauty of it. You know, I was just born in this skin, and I had to live in this skin and, like, understand what it meant to be a Black person rather than a Black woman and what it meant to be a beautiful Black woman and all that kind of stuff. So, like, especially growing up and I was going to predominantly white schools, you know, when you're surrounded by some, something that's so different than you, it's kind of interesting to navigate like the beauty aspect rather than how different I was from everybody else. I want to at that point too, that right there, what you just said. Yep. Yeah. So like, I didn't really focus on how beautiful I was. I was just, Oh, I'm different than everybody. And I had to, not necessarily accept that I was different, but I had to understand what being different truly meant. And then it wasn't until I left my predominantly white schools and went to college and was around more black people and started immersing myself into even more, you know, black culture than I already tried to do when I was younger, that I really understood the beauty in being black, right? Like you said, the features, like both facially, um, body-wise, how certain colors look on the skin, how certain uh, things look on the face. Like now, I understand the beauty aspect rather than just differentiating between white people. So, I think for me, it wasn't much of a a difficult task, and I actually didn't realize that it was for most people because I, I mean opposing to Chris, I didn't have like, I didn't go to uh, a school that was mainly white or even Hispanic or anything. It was mainly black people. So it was kind of like, oh, well, we're all black. There's no real, like, I, I don't, I, I don't want to say controversy, but there's no real difficulty trying to love my skin because everyone like looks like me. Everyone has these same features. Um, so that's really the experience that I had. Okay. I think that's interesting. I, uh, that's refreshing to hear just because um, I'm so used to hearing people say things such like um, struggles similar to mine and Chris's. Um, but upon appreciating our Blackness, like you had mentioned, and, and all of us just making an effort to show that to the world, I've also a hundred percent see that we've become trailblazers in a lot of different ways in the sense of like being the blueprint for a lot of things. Um, what ways do you guys think that we've set the blueprint for things if we're not the blueprint already? Because one thing that came to mind immediately is like, I feel like we've set the blueprint in regards to expressing ourselves through style. And I'll just specifically highlight hair because that's just been such a huge, um, debate, topic of discussion, however you want to address it, um, in regards to how <laughs> how our natural state of hair is um, um, automatically perceived, um, how us being bold with certain colors that we're not born with um, can be deemed as ghetto. I, I hate that, but um, I just think that's funny because I've seen parallels of white people um, p trying to pull off a lot of styles that we've started and we've um, shown off and done best 
and were perceived in one way, whereas they're highlighted and they're praised and it's deemed as daring and bold and stylish and this, um, which always frustrated me because they, they don't even be doing it right. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't necessarily know if I like the term blueprint when it comes to something like this, because when I think of the term blueprint, we created a foundation for something for other people to expand on or other people, I don't know, not necessarily make better, but just for other people to utilize a foundation and then go with it how they will. Um, I think us as black women, we've created style by us for us. And I don't necessarily think it was meant for other, um, other cultures to necessarily piggyback off of and like, emulate or anything um you know with certain styles with hair certain ways that we wear makeup you know I don't I just think that it's it was made by us and created to accentuate our looks and our features because you know black women's features are not necessarily the same as other people's features and like you said like there's people who try to do certain styles that we try to do with our hair and otherwise and it just doesn't look right um but i don't necessarily think that we created it to cater to them or for them to try to match so i don't i don't know if i enjoy the term blueprint rather just like innovators for ourselves you know we, it's it's things that we might not have seen um from other people because you know media likes to paint fashion um in certain ways by certain people so I think that, I guess we created a blueprint for ourselves, if anything, for us to expand on things that we want to do and could make it better and um, expand on them. But I don't think that it was necessarily made for us to be the blueprint for other people to utilize, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense, but... No, it does. It does. That's that was a interesting way to uh, perceive it. I now kind of want to retract using the word blueprint because obviously that's not the intention that I had put behind it. Um, but I do I do see what you mean by that. And I like the way that you worded it instead that we're innovators for ourselves, because essentially that that for us bias is so bold, but it's so true. Like. Yeah, because I mean, like you said, there's certain things that we can do that just doesn't look right on others. But if other people create it and we try to expand on that more often than not, we could probably find a way to do it better. So, but I don't want to call them a blueprint because, like, it's, just, it's not my fault that I made it better than you. Like, I'm sorry. You just, <laughs> I like that energy though. You just didn't have the range. I'm sorry. But yeah, like, I don't know. I feel like black, the beauty of a black woman is so specific to us. Mm -hmm. that I don't think that we should sort of, I don't know. I don't think we should sort of cater or give other people credit for any sort of, like, I don't know, any sort of work that they've done off of the foundation that we built, I guess. Um, you mentioned something and it uh, inspired me to bring this up. You mentioned how like they don't have the range, but it reminded me of how another beauty of being a black woman is just the fact that we have so much range um in regards to how 
we want to express ourselves and in the career field as well. Like I know that being a creative and, and pursuing, you know, you know, pursuing an interest in photography or pursuing an interest in graphic design, pursuing an interest in writing, um, anything that falls under that umbrella. Um, I didn't, I didn't grow up thinking that that field was really for someone like me, just simply because I was surrounded by a lot of like, I don't know how to, like, a lot of the women in my in my family, you know, pursued the healthcare profession and being caretakers, whether in, in hospitality, you know what I mean, in that areas. And I always found myself as a kid to want to, you know, pick up a book or, you know, start writing and just just pursue, you know, my creative ventures, which was always encouraged, but never really told that like, hey, you can actually make something out of this. This doesn't just have to be a hobby. And um, since then being 25 now, and just seeing so many spaces that black women have um, placed themselves in and dominated as well in the field of creativity, definitely opens my mind to how much range we have. <clears throat> So like, I guess my question to you would be, I don't know if you like really expanded on this notion or whatever, but what was it about like seeing white publications or whether it's, you know, magazine, blog, whatever, like, what is it about those that hindered you rather than gave you the drive to expand on that? Because I feel like if you don't see yourself, then I was I would assume you'd want to have representation in those areas. So, you know, I just want to know like why did you feel like seeing faces that didn't look like you would stop you rather than give you the motivation to actually do something about it? What I always saw on picking up magazines and stuff like that was a lot of like a lot of journalists wrote with the, uh, I feel like with the intention that uh, like white readers would be the only ones reading this. So seeing that frustrated me, like, okay. Like I remember picking up like, <laughs> like J14, like Teen Vogue, like back in the day, those magazines, right? And I remember reading, there, there would always be these sections in those magazines, like where people like you and me would write in and like share embarrassing stories or share stories and stuff like that. And I re that would always be like one of my favorite parts of reading the magazines. I would always try to skip to that part because it would be funny. But I could tell none of these stories were ever realities that I would come close to experiencing or were ever mine. And just, I understand that I had an interest in it, which obviously kept me from wanting to pick up the ma those magazines again, but like definitely left an impact on me of like, okay, will I ever see people like me sharing stories that I can, like, that I can relate to? Like, okay, going to one of my classmates party, because I went to, uh, I went to a predominantly white school, having a swimming cap on, going into pool, my swimming cap came off and my afro was out and about just proud and lovely in front of all my white friends and like that was an embarrassing moment for me but like I don't see that being written about like from teenagers my age or whatever of the story like that's what that that's what I would say would hinder me just like never really 
seeing, never really seeing publications catered to the fact that people like us do have an interest in the content that you're expressing and, you know, cater to the fact that we have that interest. I hear that. That's a good way of thinking about it, I guess. But I guess now, obviously, you shouldn't feel that way. Like, Right, no. Fuck what these people say. Fuck what these people write. Like, (laughs) you got to do it for yourself. Which is something that we also do as well. If there's one thing that, like, we definitely take in charge with is that if if there ain't something already there for us, we'll make it for ourselves. If that space isn't already there or if that door isn't already open for us to be in it, then we'll create that platform for ourselves. We've done it. Keep doing it again. (laughs) Right. Um, Ugo, did you want to touch on anything? All right. I think she stepped away for a minute. Okay. So um, I kind of want to transition into um, the opposite side of the episode. Uh, We talked on the beauties of being a Black woman, but um, there is beauty in the struggle as well. And with that being said, I want to touch on the struggles of being a Black woman. Um, One of the longest fights that we've been fighting since I can personally remember would be the fight of Black women versus the industry. <laughs> um, would that when be- you say the industry, is yeah. this like a multifaceted industry or are you just talking about like beauty, talking about, I don't know, like you were talking about before, like publications, like what, are you, what exactly about the industry are you talking about? Because I feel like that word is just so broad. Okay. I was a little bit afraid that it would be general, but you know me, I always tend to, you know, write paragraphs. paragraphs. Yes. Yes, you do, ma'am. Okay. Yes. I was like, let me not be too, too specific. I was like, let me be general. Um, I wanted to touch on the different facets of the industry, really like, um, media, beauty, um, makeup. Um, I also wanted to be mindful of what other you know, facets of the industry that either of you two had thought of because um, what I wanted to start off with was just a lack of inclusivity and how like even from the early age, like they start you off young with just making you feel not included. Um, Let's touch back on what kind of dolls did y'all play with growing up? Well, I mean, starting out, you know, it was Barbie dolls, like obviously, but, but. But I realized that there were dolls that actually looked like me and I wasn't like, I, I couldn't be stupid anymore. You know what I mean? Like I, I had to, I had to expand my horizons. So, you know, that's when we got into the Bratz dolls, obviously. Yes. Um, Sasha. Yeah. Sasha. That was her name. That, I think. that was my girl. Yeah, so I I had Bratz dolls and then after that, fuck dolls because, I, you know, I got older, but like, it was like they almost tried to shove Barbie dolls like down our face. And even like with American Girl dolls, I remember I had an American Girl doll. You had an American Girl doll? Girl, don't think I'm rich or anything because of that. Exactly I had an American thing. Not a doll. Exactly. It was just exactly a gift. That's what I'm thinking. Them dolls ran about 600. 600? Wait, that's, that's what my parents led me to believe, which is why I could never have one. They just didn't want you to have an American Girl doll, sweetie. I think that's all it was. But um, yeah, I had one that um that was black but it was almost like they tried to shove 
the white the white dolls down your throat like oh here's dr barbie and here's military barbie and here's like um police officer um american girl doll here's like and all of them were white and i'm like bitch black people have dolls too like i mean black people have jobs too like what the fuck you had to give christy a platform though shout out to christy who the fuck is christy you remember christy the black the black doll right from what company Barbie, Christy was definitely the black doll. Okay, hold on. Let me fact check this. I think that kind of was upsetting that I don't know that. Really? Christy, black Barbie doll. For real, yeah. She was the only one. It was Christy, Barbie, and Teresa. Teresa was like the, I don't want to say the Hispanic one, but she was a bit, she was a bit more tan than Barbie. Whatever that means. You must have been really into dolls because I, I, if it wasn't Barbie, like I didn't know any other Barbies. Like, sorry, <laughs> but I guess it's, but I guess that com- that goes to the point though. Like, we didn't have many options, and they tried to force feed the white option. Like, I know what Barbie looks like. I know she had multiple styles. I know she had a house, a car. I, she had a cooking set. She had all of these things. And I don't know when this Christy or Teresa were created, but I was, we were constantly exposed to Barbie. So it sucks that I didn't know that this black Barbie had a name. Well, that even goes into the idea of Barbie itself, because I automatically equate Barbie with like an actual doll. Instead of just calling it a doll, it's called like a Barbie doll. But Barbie, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the brand. Like It is. So it's like... <laughs> You don't really think about any other types of dolls because once you hear Barbie, you know you're talking about a doll. And that's because we've been force-fed Barbie, 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 the white blonde doll that suddenly became like the standard. And I mean, it's like if you even ask majority of people, when you think of the word doll, what do you think of? They're not going to say they're not going to say Sasha from Bratz, even though we might have played with Sasha from Bratz. Nine 9.9 times out of 10, somebody's going to say Barbie. And mm-hmm. when you think of Barbie, like Hugo said, you think of the blonde Barbie doll, like with all the wearing all the pink, with a pink car and a pink house. Like you don't think of Sasha or Christy or anything. So, really yeah. Sad. And there's not many options either. There's about 85 white American girl dolls, there's like two or three black ones. And if there are, <laughs> they're they're marked down at such a great price that it makes you question. Like it makes you question its value. I remember seeing a picture of like this black doll and this white doll in a store. Um, I think it might have been Walmart. I I'm not too sure, but like the black doll was marked at a greatly significant price than the white doll, and it's just like okay. What kind of message is that? What kind of message is that sharing? To what audience? Say that again. To what audience? To kids. I mean, you have a little kid come up, and you you see, okay, this this white doll so so expensive, but this black doll is marked at like three dollars. Why why is that the case? Like, I see the thing is, like, I get that argument as a twenty five year old woman, but when I was six or five or however I was, however old I was when I wanted a Barbie doll, I 
first of all, I surely was not looking at the price because I wasn't paying for it. So I really, it didn't send a message to me. And that's why I'm like, I don't even know how to respond to somebody's questions because I'm like, maybe I was just sitting in like a very oblivious world. But when I'm at Walmart or Target or whatever, or Valley Fair, because that's what was around when I was like younger. (laughs) Oh my God. When when I was at, oh Jesus. Valley Fair. Valley Fair was the spot. You could get everything there. Everything. If you wanted a new life and a pet fish, you can buy it for forty nine ninety nine. Because I've definitely got fish from Valley Fair before. Oh yes. If you want furniture, if you want a lollipop, if you it want was like shoes, Walmart before you, Walmart was really Walmart. I don't even know. And the craziest thing is, Chris, you know Valley Fair is right by my house now. Yeah, it is. Oh, like, around? No, it's dead and gone. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's gone. <laughs> But like when I was in these stores, I surely wasn't looking, oh, was Barbie is twenty five ninety nine and this black doll is six ninety nine. Oh, when I wonder what that means because it wasn't of any relevance to me. It wasn't really of much importance because mainly because it wasn't coming out of my wallet. So I wasn't thinking about what message it was sending to me. I was just thinking, Oh, there's a black Barbie. That's it. And even if I was paying for it with the chump change that I got from allowance as a kid, if I see twenty five ninety nine versus six ninety nine, I'm happy that the doll that looks like me was six ninety nine, and I can afford it. At like as a young kid, like you really don't see those things. Like as a like, like I I get it now as an adult. Like it's like oh well, what is this message sending and whatever. First of all, it's probably something that y'all stupid. If it's it's the same motherfucking doll, and you pay twenty five dollars for it. I'm just smart. Like <laughs> I could pay six ninety nine and get the same shit. Like to mm-hmm. me, but I get it. But it's like it. That's why I asked what audience. Because if you're talking to a kid, they probably don't even know what six ninety nine means. Like, so in that case, um, branching off of inclusivity, let's talk about how there's such a lack of things starting off with a lack of products catered to us because um I didn't I know that like when I didn't start my hair journey I want to say until maybe like senior year of high school maybe like freshman year of college I wasn't really that educated on products that were catered to like say my hair or my skin like I I totally remember thinking like why why like I remember trying to use herbal essences knowing damn well that product is not for me What's wrong with herbal essences? I use that shit. You know the little blue bottle? Shampoo. I said shampoo. I remember using shampoo and conditioner. No, I remember oh, I remember I had this weave in my head and I used that uh tousle me softly to try and give it some curls and it left my hair so matted. And I just remember like thinking like, okay, but I remember seeing other girls use this and like their curls are nice and like wavy and not kink, but like, you know, why isn't it working for me? Like, I just, I just think that the fact that there's such a lack of products, um, uh, marketed for us, it's so frustrating. And I found that to be like such a, like a really big struggle and sometimes a little bit of a struggle now, although not too much really, because a lot of people are starting to make their own, which I'm happy about. Yeah, I think with like growing up, it was more so about first 
mainly realizing that you are not those other people. Um, so that's probably the biggest hump. So if you, as a black woman, are buying also many soft. What did you say? What did what did you call it? Yeah, it was a herbal essence house. <laughs> I don't you know what, Chris. Because <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like a different. But if you brand. as a black, yeah, like, I'm like never seen that one. But if okay, girl, if you as a black woman are buying it and you know you're a black woman is mainly in that aspect i know when we were growing up you didn't really have much um now that i think about it i don't know what shampoo and conditioner my mom used on my head but it worked and like the products that she used i know white girls couldn't use no blue magic hair grease or pink lotion or anything like that imagine walking into a white person and seeing pink (laughs) lotion on their dresser I would have been like, you got a black stepdaddy or something? Like, what, what's going on? I'm confused. For, for what exactly? And you can't yeah. use black doll's hair because, I mean, there's no follicle. So, I mean, it's not like anything <laughs> being no stimulated or anything. But in that sense, it's like having basically your own. So being edu- like being educated to say, okay, I know I'm different from these people. My mom or my dad taught me I'm different from these people. They may use Tatsumi softly, but I'm over here using pink. So that is the, that's why I'm just like, I'm, I get it, but it's like, I'm I'm speaking from my experience growing up. I never, that's why I'm kind of like, I never even heard what this is. Um, This also me softly is, but it's like for another person who didn't, I guess, consider themselves as different from their white schoolmates or Hispanic schoolmates or whatever, that may make sense. But for me, it was like, well, I'm clearly black. I'm not going to use X, Y, and Z. I don't know if that makes sense to y'all, but. No, it definitely makes sense because it kind of goes into the point that we were talking about in the beginning with this whole like blueprint thing. Like when you, and this is for like any aspect of life. When you see something that doesn't work for you, you either A, accept that it doesn't work for you and continue to not see the results that you want, or you take it upon yourself to make something that works for you. But just because it works for you doesn't mean that it works for everybody. So like you were saying, Carly, like there are a lot of Black people who make hair products and skin products DIY because they know that it caters to their hair, Black hair, Black skin, all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, like Google said, I don't remember what shampoo and conditioner I was using when I was six, seven, eight years old. Like, and not, and even on top of that, like, because I grew up in a single, fa- a single parent household, my mom worked. Like, my mom didn't always have the time to do my hair up like I probably should have, or go to salons all the time to get my hair done. Like she thought that I needed to get it done like I don't know there's I don't I don't want to call it a setback because I mean at the end of the day you have to do what you have to do in order for you to maintain your physical appearance but you just honestly have to make it work your journey isn't gonna be like the two parent household with a mom who stays at home who has all the time in the world to purchase all of these products for you and then send you to a salon every week to get your hair done professionally straightened or curled or whatever the case may be. Like there were just so many times that you just had to make it work. Um, and I like that aspect of making it work I, because I feel as though my 
experience as um, growing up Black, I guess, is that it was special because I was special in the sense that I wasn't like everybody else. And I did grow up, as I said before, in primarily Black neighborhood, went to basically an all-Black school. I don't even remember there being a white person at my school until I got to Union. But like, even when I when I did get to Union, I already had that instilled in me that, okay, you're not like these other, if you see the commercials, you see the little white kids on TV, whatever, you're not like them. You're in your own special lane and stay true to that. So it was kind of like, that's what was, I guess, instilled in me. It's kind of why I am the way I am now because I don't really fucking matter to me what other people are doing because I've got my own stuff. And it's good now that we're getting older and people are becoming more aware, starting to live that same I guess, motto, because we're now seeing all of these other products that cater specifically to us that are made by us. And that's good because it just makes it easier raising our kids. If any of y'all are pregnant, please let me know. I'm very excited. Definitely not pregnant. Excuse you? (laughs) No, Chris, remember when you texted me, you were like, you're a little worried that you... You you don't see this wine and this beer on this fucking... If I'm pregnant... Well, I don't think that's healthy for the baby. baby. (laughs) If I'm pregnant, we have bigger things to worry about because my habits are not changing anytime soon. So you might want to change your attention to Miss Weston being shoddy right now. So I don't know if you have anything to hide, if you have anything to share. Nope. Just started birth control. I'm good. Congratulations. Chris, I'm pretty sure you told me that (laughs) you were pregnant. I don't even... It's okay. I'm going to edit this part out. It's fine. You don't have to... It's between us. Okay. No, like I don't mind if you keep it. I just want to see where these texts were. <laughs> like I don't know. I have the receipts. I'm confused. So bring them out, Shorty. But That's you know what? It's it's your blessing to share. But when you do, in about five months, give birth to you. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of projection going on, and I really just don't like it because I'm sitting here, like, I'm still sipping on this alcohol. Like, okay, pregnant. Anywho, so when we do <laughs> raise our daughters and our sons, like it's easier because they'll always know that there's things that specifically for them, um, by that well not by them per se, but like by them or people who look like them. There's that representation there. Growing up, it may have been different, but it's 2020 and it's different now. So yeah, and I was gonna say like. I feel like I kind of did myself a disservice not learning some of the things that has to do um, with black hair and black skin at a younger age because like there's just so many things that I wish I had the talent to do. Like I'm a black girl that doesn't know how to cornrow her own hair, and I oh my god, I hate that. I hate it with a passion, and I know how relevant it is for my life, like in general. So I mean, I've I know, Uko, you're going to be so proud of me. I've been looking up, you know, tutorials on how to do it. Like, I know how to braid <laughs> hair, but I just don't know how to cornrow my own. And it's like, if I if I took the liberty of, of learning this when I was younger, instead of worrying about how my hair could be straight or how, you know, I don't want to have to worry about my hair as much as I probably, not probably, as much as I definitely do, it would make my life easier. And especially, like, when I do have children down the line, because it's not soon. Um, I mean, five months isn't soon, but okay. You know what? 
No, continue your point. I'm sorry. Continue. I'm so confused. But anyway, um, yeah, I just think the whole make it work situation has beauty in it because, frankly enough, white people don't necessarily have to. They have all the resources in the world to get their hair where they need to be. Like straightening your hair, yes, it might be tedious, but I mean, it's not rocket science to figure out how to straighten your hair. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Like, I do find beauty in making it work because it gives you that much validation that you know what you're doing as a black woman to cater to your black beauty, if that makes sense. No, it, it absolutely does. Um, what, I, I also wanted to touch on another struggle, um, just because I do have a couple more points to touch on. That, And this is one that I feel like kind of relates more to us as we're, you know, in our, do I dare call it mid-twenties? Ugh. Um, but we are literally like in the middle. I was about to say, what do you mean? <laughs> yes, we're smack in the middle of it. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, wow, 25 is just five years short of 30. Okay, but, but you just got to the club. Like, relax. She literally <laughs> turned 25 are you right? four days ago. Reminding me. But don't worry, you're gonna turn 26 very quickly. I have to humble <laughs> you real quick. Um. But I wanted to touch on like the hypersexuality surrounded black women. Um, I feel I, I've I've been in a situation personally, and if you guys have this, have been as well, please do share if you if you don't mind of being deemed a fetish. Um, I went to high school, um, you know, predominantly with white people, and um, a lot of the men that like I like first encountered were white guys who, you know, just had that stereotypical idea of black women in their head. And that's how they approached me. And, you know, having to experience that at such a young age, I, I look back and I just, I'm, I cringe. I'm just like, oh my gosh. In the moment, you, I can admit that I didn't really see it to be as much of a problem as it was now. I probably I probably masked me being uncomfortable with laughing about it in the moment. But I look back now and I just remember thinking, I just look back and I feel so like disgusted. Like, oh, that's how you approach me. That's what you thought. Like, how dare you even think that that's all there is to people like us? What do you mean by that? Fetish, being a fetish. Like, how did this person approach you? Just like hey ch like chocolate chocolate this chocolate queen chocolate brown this like oh cocoa butter like all like things like that that's things that they think were flattering and like a good opener to like approach me with is what i mean by that and you mean by white men yeah well then why the hell are you dating white men no, first I'm of all i think we should discuss men, that it's like obviously i'm not looking at it as white men black men i'm just looking at it at that age being approached by men in general and just experiencing as okay i'm being deemed as a fetish by this man like that just is like really disheartening to have to experience once again i i think i've just had a completely different experience like i really don't think as a growing up i was fetishized at all even growing up around like a whole bunch of white people but i also just think it's because i really couldn't stand the niggas like get like i really didn't give a fuck whether you liked me or not i would rather you not like me like we we are fine like they definitely like their little you know skinny mini blonde hair blue eye kind of girl and 
as somebody thin would. lips yeah thin lips zipper lips Ugh. all that kind of stuff chicken yeah. breast butts like and clearly as somebody that that doesn't look like that I was so fine with that like girl if you want your Miley Cyrus you go right ahead because I am not her <laughs> but growing up um thankfully I still am not approached by white men because I don't put myself in many predicaments outside of work to be around white men. Um, but I do know of people who have had experiences with being fetishized. Obviously there's like jokes on Twitter all the time with like pictures of like older white guys with black women, like, Oh, um, is your name, um, Brenda, Letitia, Dawn, Felicia, like all of it, like it's, I understand that, being fetishized as a black woman is a thing. I know that it's been this way for many a year. Um, but I think it was just for me not allowing myself to be subjected to something like that, just because I knew that that was a thing that I was like, mm-hmm. like, fuck, I'm gonna sit here, chocolate queen, like, bitch. Because like, <laughs> I'd really be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, that, that thing wasn't that your, my- wasn't that your MySpace name? Chocolate Queen 15. Wow, that's crazy because I never had a MySpace, so you must have Wow. Chris, you're full of secrets today on this episode. It's okay. I I guess we just have to have a wind down off the record because we definitely were MySpace friends, but okay. I didn't even know. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? I didn't even know you. Literally, I quite did not know you, but if I had a MySpace back then and I knew you, I would have been your friend. We would have had a grand old time in top eight. That's what it is? Top ten? I thought it was top five or something. Top six? You can make it like top 12, top eight, top four. Like you could choose the top six. Top 12 is just messy. Like, come on, 12. You have Imagine being that 12th person. I would be upset. Oh, was it in order? Oh, it was was like favoritism order? Hell yeah. That's at least how I did it. Mm. Well, bitch, if I'm not number one, we to fight. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? Really and truly, because I'd be like, "Don't add me to the list if I'm not number one." Like, Thank you. Anyways, yeah. I don't. I don't feel like I was. I guess fetishized. Fetishized. I can't even say the word. Fet- yes. Um. Maybe because I, as Chris, I don't really hang around with the whites. You know, don't really put myself in those places unless I am at work, which is full of them. But nobody's doing that at work. I think that that would be inappropriate. So if I'm in my everyday life or even growing up, as I told you, the third time I've grown up around all Black people and none of them have ever come to me like, hey, sexy caramel, let me dip my, like, That's no. so fucking disgusting. Yeah, no, I've never experienced that before in my life. Have you guys ever found yourself to um, be, have you ever found yourself feeling that perhaps you weren't allowed to be too sexy or embrace your sexiness um or you probably had to tone down just tone down your self-confidence your confidence in yourself in that sense in order to like make others feel comfortable well that i have experience i'm sorry okay that i have experience and this is just based off of the way that my body is built um it is of no surprise to the two women on this podcast to anybody that knows me i'm quite top heavy so it's kind of hard to, you know, 
find certain things that are one stylish enough that I like to wear and two that are also seen as appropriate for the different areas that I am trying to navigate you know whether I'm at school at work whatever so you know I have I had to tone it down yes but it's and it's annoying because you know I'm not the only woman on the face of this planet that is top heavy you know but I've been in spaces where especially like high school, like they didn't fetishize me, but they definitely made it known that like I was top heavy and my top heavy was different than some of the white girls that went to my school. It was different than their top heavy. Theirs was sexy. Mine was slutty. Like, mm-hmm. wow. I And it's like, my nigga, there's only but so much room that I have to, to work with. Like, if you want to pay for this reduction, go right ahead. Like, I'll take your money with no problem. But, like, there's not much I can do. And it's, like, I could put on turtlenecks. I can put on heavy sweaters. I can put on hoodies and crewnecks. And it's still the same thing. So, you know, my sexiness wasn't really seen as sexy, like, until, I don't know. I think in that regard, it it. it I can consider being fetishized. Yeah. Did I say it right? Okay. You got it right. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I won a prize. But um, I can remember, and this is a really, this is something that I didn't understand growing up. I went to a Catholic school, so we had the uniforms. Um, I would always like, it would be difficult for me because when I would put on my skirt, the back would rise up. Yeah. So that was like a struggle that I always had. And I was just like, I felt like I was always, I don't, I, I don't want to say penalized, but it was like, there was always like an eye on me. Oh, your skirt is too short. Oh, this is that. And even when I wasn't going to a Catholic school, like when I moved to Union and I was just going to regular public schools, like if I wanted to wear a skirt to school on a day it was warm, I would literally the night before and even before I left my house, like, you know, the rule where you put your hand down and your skirt has to be like, yeah. um, reaching your fingers exactly um I would constantly be doing that and I just to make sure that the outfit was appropriate and then if it passed the test of you know me being able to leave the house with my parents then when I get to school I remember always like pulling it down and always being told oh your skirt is too short your skirt is too short and you know you know you know it's a little bit more mixed I was some motherfuckers and I'm like what about them like how come they get to wear the same thing that I'm wearing but it's considered I guess too sexy because of my body type like I can't help my body type and literally I've I mean you know I'm a little thicker now but you know I've pretty much had the same but <laughs> I've had the same body shape since high school since middle school so it's like I don't understand like there's nothing that I can really do for this aspect and I damn sure I'm not gonna be wearing jeans in no 95 degree weather like y'all gonna have to get with it or get lost I don't know what to tell you that's crazy because I remember there was an instance when I was in high school and it it really did break my heart because this was one of my only black teachers uh, from like elementary school to high school. And she was a black woman as well, with curly, natural hair, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm, it's, I, guess, I don't know if it's naive of me to think that like, oh, you see me and we are in this school full of predominantly white women, we should sort of band together. But as like a 16 year old, like that's what I'm thinking. Like you have my back just as much as I would have yours. Granted, like I fuck with you, which I mean, I did at the time. Um, 
but there was an instance you know how like health teachers they would teach mad shit like it wasn't just health like they would teach like like random shit like I don't know there was like one time when we were like talking about finance in school which is weird but um helpful so we had like a finance um semester and we had to do a presentation and we had to dress up for the presentation and mind you this is like spring so I decided that I wanted to wear a button-down shirt and button-down shirts are not easy for me to find unless I wear like a 14 XL like uh, it's just it just doesn't work so one time I finally found it in me to find a button-down shirt that worked uh that fit me well and I wore like a not necessarily a pencil skirt but it was a pretty like form-fitting skirt I would say and you know when I'm 16 yeah I'm curvy but I'm not like boom 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 like out the ass whatever but I remember I was giving my presentation and she called me out to the hallway and she said you know you gave a great presentation but if I were you I wouldn't wear something like that next time and it just made me feel like I was just so like like what do you mean I I shouldn't wear something like that like everything was covered I wasn't showing cleavage like ass wasn't out like nothing and I was like 16 and you know this is coming from a a fellow black woman and you know it 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 just made me feel like damn like well if I can't wear business business clothes because this was a business um a business presentation if I can't wear business clothes and go without ridicule and go with like still being ridiculed like what the fuck am I gonna do when I become a professional and start working and everything like it was just so like damn girl like you know I can't help this you know you could have at least given me some sort of other words of encouragement or something but maybe you should wear something different this time or I wouldn't wear something like that it's just like damn yeah no definitely she wanted you to wear a muumu yes she did She wanted me to wear workout clothes just like she did every day. And I'm like, sis, I'm not coming in in Nike tech every day. Like, it's just not happening. And high school teacher like that, too. Every single day, she only ever wore tracksuit. <laughs> it's always a white tracksuit, too. I'm like, girl. Like, but you know, the thing is, I feel like that will, it's sad to say, I feel like that will always be one of the struggles of being a Black woman. Because even till this day, I think my most recent, like, I guess encounter with something like this was about maybe 2016. Cause right now I don't give a fuck about what people say about what I wear, but 2016, 2015, I want to no 2016. And I was, I was working in the city and I had on this dress and I had girl, this dress was so cute, but it was like, it was one of the things where I put it, once I put it on, it's going to raise up. And like, even though I had the shorts on under it, um, I met with my ex at the time, well, my boyfriend at the time of my ex now, I met with him for lunch and he couldn't believe it. He was like, why are you wearing something like that? I'm like, what are you talking about? It's, and it was neat. It was a midi dress. It was like, it wasn't anything crazy. I had on a card as well. He's like, why are you wearing something like that? Walking around in a, a dress? Like I'm confused. And he's like, you don't see how people are looking at you. Like you have to take yourself serious in the workplace. Da, da, da. And I'm like, I, if you only knew what these white girls were wearing to work. Like, I was like, what are you talking about? This dress is to my knees. Like, just because it's 
it's hugging my figure a different way. I can't help my figure. And I'm surely not going to gain weight or do anything crazy that's going to, you know, you know, I like my figure. So I don't understand what the problem is because if Sarah or Becky or somebody was to wear the same dress, it'll just look like a normal work dress. But because I put it on, suddenly I cheapened it or I sexualized the dress. It doesn't even make sense, like these type of, I guess, battles that we have to face. But it's just, I feel like it's just going to be something that I know I'm going to have to prepare my daughter for it because it's always going to be around. And it sucks because me and Carly used to work at the same place. And so we've seen the difference in how Black women can cover up but the clothes just hug them differently versus white women like deliberately showing the cleavage deliberately like somebody want to see their chicken breasts like girls have like their nipples like they have like no um bras with their shirts on i'm like girl you're at work like what are we doing so like it's just so bad that girl i'm just wearing shit just because I thought it was cute and I wanted to wear it and I thought it was appropriate. But you decided that you thought that I was cheapening this. Cheapening something is so fucking disrespectful, yo. Like, we could pay, we pay the same exact price for the same fabric. Just because you weren't blessed with these titties or this ass or whatever, it does not mean that I cheapen shit. All this ass, boo. All um, the curves, too. Exactly. <laughs> like, don't be fucking mad that you look like the trees that are outside. Like, that's not my fault. Yuck. Yuck. (laughs) Yuck. Um, Next question. This kind of ties into one of the last points that I wanted to bring up. Um, And that's how, you know, when we voice our struggles and we voice how we don't want to, you know, tolerate everything that we've mentioned upon touching on these struggles and, and so on and so forth, that we're deemed as a threat or we're deemed as a bitch or we're deemed as, um, you know, that stereotypical angry black woman. And it's just like that, how far from the truth that is, it's not us being any of those things. It's, it's simply us just taking initiative to say that we don't like these circumstances why is that why is that wrong for us to express why is it that when you when you all intentionally push us because for i for a while black women have been silent and if anything we're kind of taught to just you know just you know stay mum about it keep your head low just you know just be blind to it whatever whatever for those that want to do other than that and and actually voice these concerns that were deemed as a threat, it's so frustrating. And that's definitely a huge struggle that I feel like Black women face. Unfortunately, I really do feel like that's going to be another thing that I'm going to be teaching my daughter about. Like, Because even to this day, I feel as though that stereotype in particular is so prevalent, especially in the workplace. Um, because there'll be many a times, many a times where someone or either manager or coworker or anything does or says something. And if I even think about like trying to express my feelings or express how I feel in regards to that sentiment, I find myself literally 30 minutes. If it's an email, I'm still looking at the email, rereading it, rereading it so that I'm not coming off as aggressive or that angry black woman, even though I'm angry as fuck and I'm going to slap the shit out of you. I have to figure out how to mask it and say it and and try and twist it and turn it and all of that. But that's because that stereotype is so prevalent. Whereas 
even if I say something respectful and peaceful and whatever, just because it's not in agreement with, with whatever was said, I run that risk of being the angry black woman. But I don't, the saddest part about that struggle is that I don't see a way for us to combat that because I feel like it's something that's so ingrained in people's minds, so much so that it literally becomes like a characteristic of a black woman. And it's a very sad reality to have to deal with that and train, like literally try and control the facial expressions that I make so I'm not coming off aggressive. Whereas this is just my face. Like I'm not just going to walk around smiling all the time, but I feel like I have to, you know, that, you know, that, that slight smile, that, that awkward, like where you put, you know what I mean? Yes. But like, I feel like I have to do that all the time to try and offset that. Oh, look at look at Faith. Oh, look, she she she, she angry. She angry. It's the of always putting an LOL at the end of a text because you don't want exactly. To, you know what I mean, absolutely. That's a great analogy. Yeah. Great analogy. And the shit don't even be funny. Not at all. Oh, the fuck. I know. For me, like, first of all, I do want to make it a point that it's okay to be angry at things mm-hmm. because white people try so hard to make it seem like whatever you're angry about is something that you shouldn't be angry about um it's just like I have every right to not agree or be angry about something that somebody does just Mm -hmm. like you have every right to not care or like sit back and be mom's the word about it um and like you said like it's hard to think how exactly am I gonna teach my future daughter or son this because just as much as it's okay for you to be angry I also don't want my child to lose their job or be in any sort of place of potential violence or anything just because they are rightfully angry about something um I know for me there's been times when I've been called assertive I've been called aggressive I've been called like rude. I've been called mean just for expressing my thoughts. Um, because I don't agree with your shit. Like maybe if you said something that I could agree to, I wouldn't feel this way. And you wouldn't have to call me all these fucking shits. And, you know, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it sucks that we just have to deal with this because I don't think there's ever going to be any changing it. Um, and like Google said, it is literally a part of being not even just a black woman, just being a black person. We are very outspoken about things that we don't like. And some people, notably white people just don't get that. They don't get that we are hurt. They don't get that we're upset about things. They don't get that our ideologies are not the same as theirs. And they just think that, oh, what I say goes Y'all, y'all good? And we're just going to sit here and be like, yeah. But then it comes up to that point where it's like, do I risk saying no? No, I'm not good with this. And then face all of these repercussions that I probably shouldn't be facing just for stating my opinion. Or, you know, do I sit back and say, yeah, I agree with you but, and just be upset and not satisfied with what's actually what's actually going on um so I, I don't know finding that like 
finding that dichotomy is going to be really different and difficult when I have children, just because I'm still trying to find that out myself, you know? Right. I, I definitely am trying to be mindful of how I've embraced each of these struggles and just even some that you guys shared, um, just simply because of the fact that we're going to have to share these things with our kids. We're, we're going to have to introduce them to the struggles or at least teach them how to um, combat them in better ways that we have. Um, but just to wrap up the episode, as we come to an end, um, we hope you guys were able to just, if not resonate, at least, you know, we were able to shine light on something. Does anybody have a bottle of wine for their wine of the week? Because I'll be completely honest, I'm drinking vodka. Ew, Excuse why? me, what are you going through? No, 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 it's just because I started this new diet. I, I'm on keto, um, so vodka has no carbs. So I wanted to sip on something a little bit nice this evening, but nobody has. You're any. sipping vodka. You no, 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 no. I like I mixed frozen straw. I made it. I put it in a blender. Frozen strawberries, seltzer, raspberries. I like made a nice little drink. It doesn't taste too bad. Going back to that whole soulmates thing, I feel like there's that disconnect that I was talking about is clearly mm-hmm. present right now because I don't mm-hmm. know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> don't worry, Chris. We can still be soulmates. I don't know what's going Thank on with Carly. I don't know what the fuck that was. Make anyway, sure um, you guys um, tune in with us on social media by following us on IG and Twitter at we are that pod as well as emailing us any questions concerns episode topics that you want us to touch on or anything within this episode that resonated with you and that you just want to expand on or that you'd like for us to expand on you can email us at we are that podcast at gmail.com and with that being said if anybody has anything else that they'd like to throw out there before i wrap up the episode all right well then Oh, Google, by all means, get your sound off, please. I don't, I don't know what I did. I wasn't listening. I'm sorry. So continue whatever you were saying. You gotta do that, and that's the that's me. No, that's Chris, bitch. Oh, oh yeah, my Look, fucking screen. <laughs> my phone. I switched it. Okay. Period. Anyway. Okay. Um. Yeah, stay safe. Stop drinking vodka like Carly, because clearly you get shit mixed up. That's been happening for the past almost year now. Um, uh, honestly. <laughs> and I, that, that, truthfully, is the that on that. Period! <laughs>